The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. It's the last chapter in Mark, right before the Gospel of Luke. Last Friday, we spent some time in Mark 14 and 15 as we thought about the crucifixion of our Lord. And now we come to chapter 16. As Paul Harvey said, we give the rest of the story. Let me read the first eight verses, and then we will jump right in. This is Mark 16, verse number 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Father, we ask simply this morning that you would speak to us, your servants, for we are listening. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The past three days have been a very bad dream for the disciples. For three years, they had believed that Jesus was the promised Savior of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel, the rightful heir to the throne of David. And everything seemed to be going just fine. Jesus was teaching and healing, and people were hearing and believing, and Crowds were coming to him. Even just one week ago, people had lined the streets of Jerusalem and welcomed Jesus into the city, waving the palm branches and crying, Hosanna, blessed be the name. Recognizing that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah Savior. Everything seemed to be going according to plan until just Three days ago. Last Thursday, Jesus was arrested in the night and quickly tried and unjustly convicted, sentenced to death. This is not how it was supposed to be. In fact, Jesus never even spoke up at his trial. He just let them go through with it. Like a lamb, silent. He never really stood a chance against Herod or against the council. 
And there, there almost was a glimmer of hope when Pilate said that he found nothing wrong in Jesus. But the crowds persisted. And they shouted, crucify him. And by Friday, Jesus was carrying a cross up to Golgotha to be crucified. Within just a few hours, Jesus was dead. The teacher was gone. And all the momentum that they had been building came to a screeching halt. It wasn't supposed to end this way. Before the Sabbath came, Joseph of Arimathea had taken Jesus' body down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and put it inside his own tomb. That is where the teacher's body is laid for three days. Loving gesture, but it wasn't supposed to end this way. We pick up the story in Mark 16. As soon as they could, because the Sabbath had restricted what they were allowed to do, as soon as the Sabbath was passed, these women have bought spices and have prepared themselves to go to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. In fact, they didn't even know uh, how they were going to be able to get in because they had seen the stone rolled in front of the door. And they knew it was a very large stone and likely wouldn't be able to uh, move it on their own. But they had to go. They had to do something, anything. This final act of love for the one who had taught them, who had given them so much, who had given so much hope, now lay lifeless in Joseph's tomb. Again, it wasn't supposed to be this way. It's not how the story was supposed to go. But when they arrive at the tomb, the stone is rolled away. And the body is gone. Not only has their teacher left them, now they have no body to anoint. They have no way to memorialize or remember the life of their teacher with a body. There's no way to bring closure to their grief. And inside they find a young man sitting where Jesus had been laid. Now, the Mark doesn't tell us, but the other Gospel accounts specifically tell us that there were angels here. And so, uh, this perspective that Mark gives us is probably from the lady's perspective. It was an angel, but seeing them looking like a young man. Imagine the questions that the ladies had that ran through their minds a million miles a second. Where is Jesus? Who took him? Where did they take him? Who is this young man? Does he know anything? Is he responsible What in the world is going on? Nothing was happening the way that it was supposed to. Nothing was happening according to their plan. This morning, I want us to consider the anguish of these women. And by extension, all of Jesus' disciples, as the story continues, is why I had us be reading through Luke so that we could make the connections with the other disciples through these women. They all had to process the loss of their beloved teacher. 
and Lord. But I want to show you how their confusion and their frustration, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, points to something that they didn't understand. There's something that they didn't understand, and that's why they were so confused, so frustrated, so upset. The same thing happened to the disciples, but they were still at home. The women went to the tomb, but the men were still at home, and they didn't understand either. In fact, it's hard if you read any of the accounts to find anybody who really understood what was going on. This is what we need to know. And I think it's easier for us on this side of it to see what was happening. But it's important that we understand it. And that is this. Everything was happening exactly the way it was supposed to. It didn't look like it. Nobody there thought that it was. But everything was happening exactly according to plan. But because they didn't understand that, we find them anticipating the wrong things. The disciples, in, 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 as a whole, were anticipating a conquering king, and yet they had a suffering, dying servant. The women, this morning, were approaching the tomb expecting to find a body so that they could anoint him. Instead, they find an empty tomb. And the angel's words from inside the tomb reminded them, I point to verse number 7, that everything happened just as he told them. Look at verse number 7. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. That little phrase arrested my attention this week. Jesus had said all along what was going to happen several times. We can see two of them in just Mark's gospel in Mark 9 and verse 30. Jesus was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. He had said this, but they didn't remember. And then in, most recently in chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus told his disciples, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. Everything that happened, happened according to the plan. It just wasn't the disciples' plan. And the angel here reminds them, not only has Jesus spoken about all of this, but that everything has happened just as it's supposed to. This morning I want to prove to you that it wasn't enough for the people to see 
the stone removed to know of the resurrection. It wasn't enough for them to see an empty tomb to realize the resurrection had happened. God did not intend for the women to come simply upon an empty tomb. But He left a witness to testify about what happened. And the women needed to hear the words from the angel for it all makes sense. More specifically, they needed to hear the words of Jesus just as He told them. And just as the women needed to hear the words of Christ that morning, the disciples needed to hear uh, and remember what Jesus had said. We also need to hear the words of Christ and understand them and remember them and obey them to help us make sense of this confusing and troublesome world. Because life just like it was for them, for us, often does not seem like it's going the way it should. Think about your own circumstances in life. How often does life not seem to go the way you planned for it to be? Events don't come as they should. Opportunities don't line up the way you think that they should. Uh, the results of your actions or the things outside of you just aren't coming together the way that it's supposed to go. May I tell you this morning that through this story we can see that everything happens according to God's perfect plan. But without the words of Christ, we can't make sense of these tough situations. We won't know what to do we won't know what to think, how to respond. We may even find ourselves doing the wrong things because we simply don't understand. We need the Word of God to give illumination and to bring order and calm when our world is upside down. Because that's exactly what the people in Mark 16 felt like. The world is all messed up. And it begins with the words of Jesus. First of all, they needed to hear the words of Christ. Likewise, we need to hear the words of Christ, for by them faith comes. Romans 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith does not come from within you. It's not something that you drum up, that you decide to do. Faith comes from somewhere outside of each of us, namely, the word of Christ. And it's important that we hear the words of Christ and understand God's word to give us the proper perspective in life. That's why it's so important that we know what the Bible says. That we read it and we study it and we learn it. Because they are the words of life. John 6, 68. 
They are the, 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 the food that nourishes us and sustains us. The word is filling like bread, sweet like honey. The words of Christ are simple enough that a child may drink its milk, yet satisfying enough that a fully grown and mature man may feast on the meat of it. This is why our entire concept of worship is centered on the scriptures. We come to feast on the word, to sing it, to pray it, to read it, to hear it, to study it, to obey it, to keep coming back to it. We want to savor it. We want to slowly chew on it so that it may do its work in us. Friend, if you have a copy of the scriptures, you realize that you have every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You have what you need. So, Get into it. But don't just read it. Eat it. Consume it. Devour it. The prophet Jeremiah said that your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. The resurrection of Christ was announced by the words of Christ through the angel not by an empty tomb. We look at the empty tomb as the symbol that he is risen. But seeing the empty tomb was not enough of itself to make sense of what truly happened. If you read the different accounts, you can see it here vaguely in Mark, and you can see it more clearly in other places. But Mary saw the empty tomb and the rolled away stone and thought Jesus' body had been stolen. When the disciples, namely Peter and John, uh, went to investigate, they walked away scratching their heads. They couldn't process it. They didn't know what to think. If you read Matthew 27 and 28, you hear that the priests who were responsible for putting Jesus on the cross knew about the empty tomb, and they constructed a lie that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body, and many of the Jews believed the lie. So just knowing about an empty tomb was not enough. You needed the words of Christ because the evidence of an empty tomb was clear to anybody who had eyes and ears. But it was the words of Christ that brought the hope of resurrection. We too must hear the words of Christ for by them faith comes. But not only do we need to hear the words of Christ, we need to believe the words of Christ because they are the truth. Seeing is not always believing. The empty tomb is the perfect example of that. How many people knew of the empty tomb and did not believe that he was risen? What we see doesn't always make sense to us. The people watched Jesus go through his mock trial and crucifixion and burial, and they did not understand what was going on. Seeing is not always believing. Seeing is not always reliable. But the words of Christ are true. They are faithful. You can count on them. And the scriptures bear witness to the fact that Jesus 
died on the cross, but God raised him from the dead. And it is through this risen Savior that forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to the world. But the Apostle Paul says, take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. He's telling them of the crucifixion and resurrection and the forgiveness of sins as a result, but he said, be careful, because if you reject this message, you will perish. You must believe. But it's not just enough to know the words, to hear the words, and believe the words, we need to remember the words of Christ. Repeatedly, regularly hearing them. There are too many people who call themselves Christians who are fasting from the word instead of feasting on it. We need to regularly remember what Jesus said. That's why when we read the accounts, we're, we're told repeatedly, Remember what he said? Remember he said this? Remember he told us that this is exactly how it was going to happen? They needed to be reminded of the words of Christ because they can be depended on. They can be counted on. They give us solid ground to stand upon when we are in a difficult situation. And when we forget the words of Christ, we are in danger of straying from the truth. Jesus, as I said, warned his disciples many times, but they didn't understand. And when everything Jesus told them hap uh, about actually happened, they couldn't believe it. Why? Because they forgot what Jesus had said, or didn't understand, at least, what Jesus had said. There are several warnings throughout the Scriptures that this was going to happen. We read one in Luke 24 where Jesus told the men on the Emmaus Road, foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. It was necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory. The prophets said this. Not just Jesus, but the prophets all down through time had said, this is what's going to happen. Eventually, not immediately, but eventually after the resurrection of Christ, John 2 tells us that his disciples remembered that he had said these things and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. It all comes down to the words. And then we read that these New Testament authors who were witnesses and heard it and remembered it began to write to the churches and they reminded the people of the same things. They were constantly remembering the, the information before the, their audience so that they would not forget. Because we need reminders. Because we forget so easily. When we forget, we stray. Life gets overwhelming. Storms around us distract us. The noise and the chaos of life grabs our attention away from the truth and causes us to forget. So we return to the words of God and are reminded of what is truth and what is sure. The word of God gives us that kind of hope. The words of Christ were not given simply so that we would hear them, believe them, and remember them, though. They were also given 
so that we might obey them. We must obey the words of Christ for obedience brings blessings. Now, just look back at verse number 7 again, and I want you to notice this little phrase. Because Jesus had told his disciples all the things that they should expect. His arrest, his rejection, suffering, his death, his resurrection. But there was something else. Verse 7, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as He told you it's not just that he was going to rise again, but that he was going to meet them someplace else. They were had been told this in Mark 14. The women's plan to come and anoint the body was well intentioned, but highly unnecessary because he said, I'm not going to be there. Three days later, I'm going to leave. Save the, the perfume, save the spices, save your money. You won't need it. I'm going to be gone. Death wasn't the end. In fact, it was just the beginning. It was the next part of God's redemption plan. There was much more to come after the death of Christ. There was a resurrection. There was a meeting in Galilee where they would receive the message to spread around the entire world. Everything happened right on schedule. The disciples needed to remember that and try to keep up with Jesus world around you may not seem like it's going according to any kind of plan. It may seem chaotic and random, confusing, but take heart. It seemed that way on the first Easter morning too. The words of Jesus spoken to the women inside the empty tomb produced faith that soon spread to the rest of the disciples and throughout the world and even to us. It is because of the words of Christ that any of us know the truth. The disciples did eventually make it to Galilee, and there they received the great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's exactly what they did. That's how we have heard the good news. Most of us today could not say that we have seen the empty tomb. But we have a more sure word in the Scriptures. We have a testimony That Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Though this world may seem chaotic, confusing, Jesus is ruling and reigning right now. Continuing the plan that was set forth beginning of time and made known to us in his word. If you have the words of Christ and you have what you need to make sense of a crazy world and a troubling circumstance, but we must hear them. We must believe them. We must remember them. We must be doers, not hearers only. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for giving us the words of life. 
that you would condescend even to speak to us in a way that we can understand. Lord, we could not handle all of the wisdom. And yet you have given us so much truth and hope and help by the words. All of this remembered, this day remembered by the little phrase, He is risen. Lord, may we believe these words. May we remember these words after today. When Easter is a a, a memory of the past and we're thinking about summertime, we're thinking about fall or winter. May the truth that He is risen still ring in our hearts. As we gather each Lord's Day morning, as we gather throughout the week, may the truth of the risen Savior give us hope, give us aid in every area of life. May we would be naive to think that every person in this room has heard the gospel and believes it and and is living in light of it. There are those among us this morning who do not believe. We pray that the words of Christ might take root in their heart, and that you would do a work of rebirth and regeneration and salvation in them. We pray that they might understand and believe the gospel. We pray that our words as well as our testimony our lives would testify to the truth that Jesus is alive and well and reigning. We who have heard this good news, believed it, submitted to him, follow him still. Father, this Easter Sunday cause us to remember glorious truth given to us by your words. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask these things.